Thank you for this day that you've created. Thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. And God, we pray that you go before us, walk beside us, and keep us, Lord, where you would have us to be, fulfilling your destiny and purpose for our lives, Lord. Sweet Holy Spirit, minister to those that have gathered in this place today. Take this word, God, from frail human lips. Anoint it with your everlasting glory touch lives with it that they will be indubitably changed in Jesus name amen you may be seated hallelujah begin by saying thank you for coming to the nine o'clock service we may have to do something today that I really don't want to do but I've got a feeling that we may have to shut the doors at the 11 and not let everybody in so um, we have to social distance. They're watching the churches now more than they've ever done it before. I'm not sure why everybody got lazy during COVID. The 9 o'clock service used to be the big service uh, on most Sundays, and I'd have more people here than, and now everybody wants to come to 11, and you see how many seats we have available, and when you got more than two families on a, on a row than with six feet between us, I mean, I don't want to do it, but we may have to shut the doors today when we reach full capacity, because last week we actually went over, and that wasn't a good thing, and uh, I got a feeling, because we got less now, everybody's wanting to sleep in, so we're going to have to have more people show up to the nine, or we're going to have to start doing a one o'clock service or something, I don't know what, <laughs> I'm not sure, but we have to, we have to maintain the distance, we have to be safe, uh, they're watching the churches, so thank you for coming to the nine, I appreciate you very much. Um, this week is week five of the sermon series that is titled Under God. I've got a long way to, in, in the, in the uh, phrase of the old theologian, the old prophet, Jerry Reed, we got a long way to go in a short time to get there. And uh, because uh, this is one of those sermons that I'm going to build, uh, if, you, if you get this one uh, this week and you hold on to it, the weeks after this is going to mean more to you, okay? Uh, because I told you last week that there are over 80 different names for God in, in the Bible. And this week we're going to deal with two that I call scaffolding titles. You know what scaffolding is. You, you stack scaffolding on top of itself uh, in order to build upon, right? And this is two of those titles of God that are scaffolding titles. In other words, uh, we're going we're gonna to build these two this week, and then as the weeks progress and move along, we will build on these two names. I'm reminded of a story I read uh, many years ago of a little boy in Sunday school class. He was uh, drawing a picture with his crayon, and when the Sunday school teacher came along, she said, well, well, Johnny, that's lovely. What exactly are you drawing? He says, well, this is God. She said, Johnny, you don't understand. He had such confidence. He had such pride. It's God. She said, Johnny, you don't understand. Nobody has seen God. Nobody knows what God looks like. He said, well, they will when I'm finished. And it seems today that everybody has their own idea of exactly who God is and how he does what he does, and how he's supposed to react and act with his creation. But God did not leave it up for us to determine who he is. He named himself. So I'm going to tell you this morning to turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to use a lot of scripture this morning, and I won't have time to tell you to turn to all of it, but this morning, Exodus chapter 3 is where I'm going to begin my sermon. And we're going to start with verse 1. 
Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Oreb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the middle of a bush. So he looked. He saw it. Moses looked at that and said, that's not right. He looked at the burning bush because the bush was not, it was on fire, but it wasn't consumed. He said, that's not natural. Later on in this message, I'll call that a contradiction. Okay? Uh, He says in verse 3, Moses said, now I will turn aside to see the great sight why the bush does not burn. Jump down to verse 10. The Bible says, come now, therefore, the bush is talking to him. And I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring up my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I tell them? Who is it that I am an ambassador for? Who sent me? What's God's name? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. I am who I am. You don't need to know anything else because I am who I am. And thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me. I am who I am. Now Moses begins this little conversation with God having a debate with him. He says, God, who died and left me boss? Who signed off on this? Why should Pharaoh listen to me? I'm about to go tell him to let his slaves go, his free workforce go so they could go to church in the wilderness. Why should he listen to me? And God reveals to Moses his favorite name for himself. He says, I am. Now, I'm going to teach you something, okay? I'm not going to be real preachy this morning. I'm going to be more teacher than preachy, okay? God reveals his favorite name for himself. I am, which is translated Jehovah. Now, Jehovah is found almost 7,000 times, 6,893 times to be exact. In your Bible, Jehovah is the most used name for God. I am has sent you. I am is made up of four consonants. When you look at the original Hebrew text, I am is made up of Y-H-W-H. If you've ever tried to say a word that is all consonants and no vowels, you'll understand that's impossible. As a matter of fact, to this day, nobody knows exactly how to pronounce Y-H-W-H. To this day, we still do not have a proper pronunciation for his name. This name is important because it's the name that God introduces himself by. When you meet somebody, they introduce themselves by telling you their name. They, they introduce themselves, and this is God introducing himself to us. Now, when I study theology, uh, this is called the Tetragrammaton, Y-H-W-H. That's not a name that you're ever going to need again, but I'm just telling you that when you hear Tetragrammaton, it means Y-H-W-H, I am Jehovah. When they were translating the Bible you do realize that Moses did not come down off the mountain with two tablets. One was the Redback Hymnal and the other was the King James Bible. 
Okay, God's Bible, His Word was written in another text. It was written in the Hebrew uh, language. And when they were translating the Bible to English, when they were reading through the Scriptures, they would come to this name, Y-H-W-H, and they would actually skip over it because they were afraid that they would mispronounce it. And in order for them to put it into the text, they added vowels so they wouldn't mispronounce His name. When they added vowels, it turned into Yahweh. Yahweh is Hebrew. When it was translated from Hebrew to to English, Yahweh became Jehovah. So when you hear the name Jehovah, it came from Yahweh. Yahweh came from Y-H-W-H, the Tetrachromaton. So how do you know when you're reading the Bible and it's the name Yahweh? that is translated as Jehovah. I've been hinting at it the last two weeks. In your Bible, when you see the word capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that is the word that is translated in your Bible as the word Jehovah. So when when it's written in all caps, it was translated from Yahweh, which was translated from the Tetragrammaton. Nobody in this room can go by the name Yahweh. I am who I am. You can't say that because you're here because you had a mommy and a daddy. If there was no them, there would be no you. But God is God all by himself. I am that I am. I am who I am. He's the only I am that I am. You are because somebody else was. God don't need anybody else to be who he is. See, you and I are always changing. We're getting older. Somebody say amen. We're getting slower. Say glory to God. You and I are dying. Every passing moment, we are getting closer to the end than we are to the beginning. God doesn't go through that process. God does not change. He is who He was, and He'll always be who He's always been. He will never be irrelevant because He's always right now. He doesn't get passe or old because He's always in the present tense. See, we will get to experience this when we get to heaven because when we get to heaven, time's going to stop over there. And when you and I get to the point where we are like God, we are in heaven, we are timeless, we will finally understand what He has been experiencing since, uh, since He was always in the present. So when He says, I am who I am, it's a statement of fact. He's unchangeable. No matter what we go through, that does not, exp- that does not change his ability to, be- to remain Jehovah. No matter what mountain you are facing, he is still able to be Jehovah in your life. We can deny he exists. We can say that we don't believe in him. But that does not change the fact that he does. We can determine that we're not going to live our life and recognize him in our life. But that will not re- erase him from the reality because he is that I am. Here's a good lesson for you and I to learn, Christian. I am who I am. I'm going to say it again for emphasis. I am who I am. Therefore, I'm not necessarily who you want me to be. I am who I am. In other words, before you was created, he predetermined who he was. So he did not wait wait for you to come along so you could define for him who he's going to be in your life. Before you ever showed up, he already had a plan who he's going to be. So when you get in alignment with God, God does not get back in alignment with you. That means you become like him. He will never become like you. I am who I am. 
If you're going to come be part of me, you're going to have to step up because I ain't stepping down. Somebody say amen. So that's a good lesson for us to learn right off the bat. And then later on, we will start compounding titles. I told you this is a scaffolding title. We will start compounding titles to show how he prevails in specific situations for you. Because you will realize when we start putting other names with Jehovah that you can see how he exposes himself to you depending on the drama you are presently in. See, you, when you see the presentation of God in a new name, it's not really that he has a new name. It's that he is exposing himself to you in a new way depending upon what it is that you are presently facing. See, when Moses looked at that bush, he said, that don't make sense. You can't have a green bush on fire. Because bushes that are green, if anybody's ever burnt wood, you know green wood don't burn. And that bush was not only on fire, but it wasn't being burned up. That is called a contradiction. And Moses went closer to investigate the contradiction. So what I want to show you in the coming weeks is this. Sometimes your life is a contradiction. You come to church and you hear about these great promises of God. You read your Bible and you find out what God is capable of doing and what God's word says that you ought to be living like. And what you're living like does not add up to what God, when you do all the math and you work out all the equations and you do the long work and you write the essay and you write down all them scriptures and you hang them all over your mirrors and you buy the, uh, the, the bumper sticker for your car and you got the cross around your neck and you got all the trappings of what it's supposed to look like to walk in victory, but your life doesn't look like what you've heard preached from the pulpit. It's called a contradiction. I, I don't know if anybody in here has ever lived in a contradiction, but a brother like me understands that sometimes I got mess in my house. I'm coming to church and I'm shouting the glory down, but I go back home and there's some kind of mess, and I, it messes with my mind a little bit because I heard God tell me that I'm an overcomer, but I don't have a, I got a contradiction. I heard God tell me that I'm healed, but my body's racked with pain. I heard God tell me that I am more than a conqueror, but I don't feel like I'm, be I'm being beat up more than I'm beaten down. And I want you to know that when a contradiction happens in your life, God will show up in that contradiction and reveal something to you that you did not know about him before. What's that, Abraham? When you were 90 and God told you he was about to have a kid and waited till you was 100 to do it? And the Bible says that before he ever exposed himself to him in a child, a miracle birth, he told Moses, or he told Abraham who he was. That, boy, that baby was born, grew up, and some contradiction happened. God said, I want you to take that son up on the mountain and sacrifice him to me. No way that makes any sense to any parent sitting in this room. But on that mountain, that day, in the middle of a contradiction, God revealed himself to Abraham in a new way. And Abraham called him Jehovah Jireh because he revealed a side of him that he had never seen before. When you are in trouble, don't just look at the contradiction. 
Look at the voice that is speaking to you out of the trouble. When the bush is on fire and it don't make no sense, don't look at the burning bush. Listen to the voice that is speaking to you from the inside of it. When you are on the mountain and you are watching your child be sacrificed, don't make sense of what's laying on that altar. Make sense of the voice that speaks from heaven and says, Stop. I have always been here. I wasn't going to let you go down. I didn't bring you this far up to let you go down. Don't pay attention to the contradiction. Notice who is in the voice so we've got Jehovah I am that I am there's there's another scaffolding term that I'm going to build on in the coming weeks and we find it in the very beginning text of your Bible Genesis 1 1 in the beginning God G O D in the beginning God what did he do Created. That word God is not capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That word God is Elohim. Elohim means mighty one. He is the creative power. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, all you see is God. Elohim. You don't see Jehovah. You don't see any Yahweh. It's only God, Elohim. Because Elohim speaks of the creative power of God. That's why in the Bible, only God is mentioned as creating anything. Listen to me, the devil can't create anything. You can't create anything. Man can reconfigure stuff, but we don't create anything. If you build a house, where'd you get the wood from? Even if you went old school and went down and... And, and got it, got cut the tree down and run it through the planer yourself. Where'd you get the tree from? Where did the seed come from that made the tree? You didn't create anything. You reconfigured what was already given to you. You don't make nails. Where was the steel forged from that made, went into the making of the nail? We don't make anything. We're not creative. Only Elohim is, a, is able to create anything. And here's the thing about Elohim. Whenever something has been touched, there's fingerprints left behind. Creation has the fingerprints of Elohim. That's why the world wants to believe in evolution. Because if we don't believe in evolution, we have to deal with the fingerprints that are left on creation. And if we, have to, if we deal with fingerprints, that means that somebody made them. And we have to deal with Elohim. Hebrews 11 and 3 tells us, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of Elohim. We understand that everything that is was framed by the word of Elohim. You know what the writer of Hebrews said? The, the, the writer said, let me tell you how bad Elohim is. He took nothing and made everything. He speaks things that are not in order that they might be. He told Abraham and Sarah, I know you're 90 and 100, but I've told you, you're going to have a baby. Is anything too hard for me? And I've created everything out of nothing. Do you honestly believe that you can come up with some kind of problem that I can't handle? Do you think that your dead womb is some kind of situation that I can't get involved in? That's why when you're trying to find a solution to your problem, 
You're trying to figure out how something's going to work out in your life. You need to remember that his name is Elohim, which means that he does not need anything from you for him to work everything out because he can create everything out of nothing. It might look like nothing to you, but it looks like everything to God because he doesn't need raw material to create a miracle. He can speak into your nothingness and bring everything out of your situation. you got to remember who Elohim is. Now, that's Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God, Elohim. Go over to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 4, and you're introduced to Yahweh. Understand, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 4 is a beginning of a bunch of series of, sermon, of, of, of scriptures that says, In that day, the Lord God, the Lord God, in that day, the Lord God, not capital L, capital O, capital R, capital V, the Lord God, the Lord God made the heavens. He, the Lord God, in that day, Yahweh Elohim. In that day, Yahweh Elohim made heaven and earth. We are introduced to God the Creator in chapter 1. But in chapter 2, God the Creator is about to get personal with His creation. He's introducing a new concept here. This is why I want you to know the names of God in your Bible. Because lots of people believe, say they believe in God. But who they believe in is Elohim. Because Jehovah wants to get up in your business. They believe in Elohim who is a distant creator who put everything into motion but stays far back away from his creation. But when he becomes Yahweh, he steps into your life and he gets real up close and personal and he gets involved in your situation. So when a lot of people say they believe in God, they believe in Elohim who is a distant uh, power broker who does everything absent from their life. But they don't understand that Jehovah wants a relationship with them and wants to be personal with them. See, Jehovah wants to get personal with his creation. As Elohim, he can create from a distance. But as Jehovah, he calls your name. Over and over and over again, in chapter 2, it says, Lord God, Lord God, Lord God. And then in verse 8, it says, The Lord God planted a garden. Why do you think he planted a garden? Because he likes cucumbers? He planted a garden because he's about to establish a relationship with his creation. So when he created a home for Adam, he was acting like Elohim. But when he started acting as Yahweh or Jehovah, he's not just going to put his house together. He's going to get invested in Adam's house. How do you know that, Pastor? Because in verse 18, he starts meddling. Verse 18, he says the craziest thing that God's ever said. It's not good that a man should dwell alone. I could tell Adam wasn't no deer hunter. It's not good that a man should dwell alone. I'll make a mate. It says compatible with him. I don't know when that happens. It says the mate's supposed to be compatible. That's another sermon for another time. Here's here's, Here's Adam minding his own business. Doing what God told him to do. Doing everything the way God laid it out for him. And then God starts setting up a a, a profile on ChristianMingle.com. Starts messing up Adam's day and, and setting him up for a mate. 
See, you don't know God just as Elohim, the powerful God. You need to know Him as Jehovah. You need to know Him as a personal God so that you will know when His power starts speaking to you. The problem that we have today begins in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. The snake was more clever than all the wild animals Yahweh Elohim had made. He asked the woman, did Elohim really say? I want you to pay attention to this. Serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the, say, the, say those two words, say them out loud. Lord God, say them out loud, say them. Lord God had made and said to the woman, what does the snake say? Has, do, do you see what the devil just did? You read it and missed it. He dropped half of the name. Hey, listen, I'm going to read it to you again. I, I, you need to get this. The Lord God, Yahweh, Elohim, has made. When the snake comes along, he asks Eve a question, and he doesn't say Yahweh, Elohim. He says Elohim. Now, when the devil starts talking to Eve, he drops Jehovah, and he only wants to talk about Elohim. My God, I, I, if I preach this this morning and you miss this, you miss something. He wanted to keep God in the conversation, but he wanted to keep God at a distance because he realized what he was about to try to get Eve to do. And if God is real good and close to you, it is hard for the snake to talk you into a mess. It is so hard for you to come to church and really worship God and really get up in God's business and get God all up in your face. It is hard for you to come to church and sell out to God and then the snake talk you into a mess. But if he can convince you that God is far away, he will talk you into getting into stuff that you would have previously rejected because Eve was thinking of God as Elohim. Not as Jehovah. See, he don't mind you having a religion. He just don't want you to turn it into a relationship. He wants you to come to church when you feel like coming to church. He, he wants you to pray when you got time to pray. He wants you to tithe when you got money left over after you done paid all your bills. He, he, now, you don't do that with any other relationship you got. Listen to me. I better not just love this woman when I feel like doing You better not just... Feed your kids when you remember to. See, he, he don't mind you talking about Elohim, but he doesn't want you to relate Je to Jehovah. If he can keep you worshiping Elohim, he can keep God out of the most of your life. Because you will feel like God is far away. Do you know why we don't know God as Jehovah? Do you, do you know why most people that come to church are invested in Elohim and not Jehovah? I'm going to hurt your feelings. You ready for this? You love me? Because most of us are too distracted to learn about Jehovah. We're too busy and distracted to want to know Him more. How many times are you sitting in church and listening to the Word preached about a Jehovah who wants to come close to you, but you are so busy communicating with somebody that ain't even in the building. 
you, you, you got to be texting somebody else. You got to be following somebody else. You got to be Facebooking or Twittering or Instagramming somebody else. And they ain't even in the building. And Jehovah is right here walking the aisles, ready to heal and ready to deliver and ready to set free the captive. And we're missing him because we are so distracted by somebody else. I wish I had a witness in this church. Moses had met God in the burning bush. He called his name. He said, who are you? Who should I tell him sent me? What's your name? He said, I am who I am. Now later on, Moses says, you know what? I caught your name, but that ain't good enough. I want some more. I'm hungry for something else. In Exodus chapter 33 and verse 18, Moses simply asked God, God, show me your glory. I want to see something else. I know your name, but i got to know more. I am is not showing up in my life the way I need him to. I'm glad that you have revealed yourself to me, but I need more of you. What I've got has gotten me to this point, but I'm trying to get somewhere else. Would you give me something else that's going to get these shackles off of me? I got saved, but I don't want to just be saved. I want to be free. I got healed, but I don't want to just be healed. I want to be whole. I got some of you, but I want more of you. God give me more show me your glory he wasn't satisfied with just an introduction we get satisfied with being introduced to Jesus we get introduced to him we say a prayer we get our passport stamped that we're going to heaven and that's all we ever care about and we go about our life building our houses working on our careers spending time with our family and talking about God the whole time, but we're talking about Elohim. A distant God, a powerful God. Unless something fall apart in our life, and we start praying to Elohim, who has power to save, who has power to heal. But we don't know Him as Jehovah Shammah. We don't know Him as Jehovah Rapha. We don't know Him as Jehovah Jireh. We don't know because we've never gotten more. We've never gotten closer to Him. We've never gotten exposed to the sides of a personal God who comes in the middle of our storm and says, Peace, be still. We don't know that God. We know a distant God. And when we get in trouble, we don't know where to run. Because God seems so far away. I want to know more, Moses said. This is a problem I see in church. We're so busy and distracted by life. We don't have very many people wanting more. We used to do something in the old church called tarrying. I've seen people get baptized in the Holy Ghost at 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning. I'd be exhausted, done preach twice that day. But they'd still be in the altar begging God to pour out the Holy Ghost. they get filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't remember the last time I was in church that late. Joel Talley. Yes, I do. That's a lie. <laughs> Having Joel Talley around. He's the only person I know preached so long all the restaurants is closed. <laughs> God says if you make time to get more of me you please me if you'll make time for me if you prioritize me if you turn off some of the noise for me I will come to where you are if you'll back away from people who are walking in the opposite direction of me I will become a friend who will stick closer than a brother you got to cut some people out of your life because they're not taking you where I'm trying to take you. 
You closed the shop down early on Wednesdays to come to Bible study. I will come see about you. I'll get close to you. I'll show you more of my glory. A lot of us like to say, God, I want more of you. But we won't make time. We won't sacrifice. We don't please him. And therefore, we never see his greater glory. There's some stuff Jehovah wants to show you. Maybe it's how to get out of debt. Maybe it's how to get healed in your body. But you'll never see it because you fall just short of it. Because you don't make time to turn Elohim into Jehovah. So we got people floating from church to church to church to church, chasing preachers all up and down the East Coast, flying to other towns so they can hear preachers preach, talk about, boy, I really feel the Lord when that preacher preaches. Or I, I go to that church because they allow the Spirit to move there. Because we think the place beside God is about geography when it's really about relationship. Because I can feel God even when I ain't in this house. I wish I had a witness. I have felt God in my pickup truck so, so powerfully. I've had to pull over on the side of the road before I broke my full neck. Because I go to worship in God. I put the right song on it. It hit my spirit just the right way. Tears will be flowing. I feel dangerous on the road. I'm going to pull over. I'm going to dance a little bit on the side of the road. People think I've lost my ever-loving mind. That's okay. Elohim just become Jehovah and he's sitting in the truck beside me. So, so now if you open your Bible to the very first page of Genesis, most old Bibles say something crazy like this. The first book of Moses. Problem is, Moses wasn't alive in the events of Genesis. So how is it that he write, did he write about something that he wasn't able to see? Because when you know God is Jehovah, He'll show you stuff you couldn't learn any other way. You'll get revelation about storms that are coming against you. You'll get revelation about how to deal with your problem children. I wish I had a witness in this church. See, when he becomes, stops being Elohim and steps into your present situation and you start learning all these other names about him, Jehovah will show you that when that kid has been given up on by everybody else, that he is still Jehovah. And the God that pulled you out can pull your baby out. He can put your family back together. God, I've read every book. I've went to the counselor. I've went to the seminar. I don't know. I watch Dr. Phil every day I don't know how my family's going to get through and God will say if you let me I'll show up because I'll show you stuff that nobody else can show you that's why so many of us miss what God's plan is for us because Elohim has not yet become Jehovah uh -huh. Bible says it gets even gooder because in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and 2 in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and then verse 2 says, and the earth was void and without form. We call that chaos. I've given you a lot of information, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm ending right now. Can you believe that? I'm ending right now. The Bible says that God had created the heavens and the earth in verse 1. Verse 2, it's in chaos. Now we know tohu vahohu, bohu, okay? We understand that something happened between Genesis 1 and 1 and Genesis 1 and 2. And it caused the whole earth to become chaotic and without form and without void. Because Elohim had created a world that the devil corrupted. Elohim creates. The devil corrupts. 
So Elohim had created a world and the devil had turned it into a wasteland. Nothing could live there. The Bible says it was void. It was without form. That's what the devil does. He comes into something Elohim has created. And he turns it into death. He turns it into a wasteland. He makes a mess out of what Elohim has created. Make no mistake about it. You were created for a purpose. God, Elohim, created you. But guess what the Bible says? The Bible says that God's Spirit began to brood over a mess. And when God's Spirit started showing up over top of what the devil had done, life started popping up out of dead places. Because what Elohim does is he shows up with power and he creates something out of nothing. He comes into something that Satan has messed up, something that the devil has junked up, and he fixes it up. Because Elohim can turn messes into miracles. So this is why you need to learn who it is that you are reading about when you read, and you need to learn who to pray to when you pray if I can teach you this stuff you will never pray the same again child of God you'll get on your face and you'll begin to say Elohim I call upon you my child is in misery and they are living in darkness and they are surrounded by people who are surrounding them with darkness but you can create light in a dark place I call upon Elohim to create in my child a clean heart and out of nothingness bring life You'll get personally invested in a prayer life that has the Word of God to back up and substantiate what you are claiming. You're not just going to be throwing around flippantly, God, Lord, Jesus. No, no, no. You'll learn specifically how to pray with power, how to command darkness to leave because Elohim, when He shows up, He calls something out of nothing. It's the best lesson I ever personally learned about how to pray. I did a study on this. I, I taught this on Wednesday nights more, more deeply than this about six years ago. It revolutionized me, especially considering what my life was about to go through. I did not realize that I was teaching you so I, I could learn. But what I was about to go through in my own family, in my own child, I, I did not realize how much I was going to have to lean on Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. I didn't realize how much I was going to have to call on Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. If you just say, God, he's, he's going to answer. But the faith that it builds in you, when you know exactly who he is and exactly what he does, you pray differently. You're like a bulldog with a bone. you got tenacity. And you refuse to let go of the promises because Elohim has the power to create out of nothing, Jehovah gets personally invested in your life. We're going on a journey the next few weeks. I pray that the Word of God is taking seed in you, that it invests itself in you, and that most importantly, you invest yourself in a closer walk with Jehovah when this is all said and done. I'm trying not to get too, too deeply invested in the words and the terminology. I don't want to lose you in the weeds that's 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 what I did on Wednesday night I went really deep but I know on Sunday mornings I just want to plant a seed in you to change your relationship not with me if you miss me you ain't lost much but if you miss him you've lost everything so I want to change your relationship with him is this good is this good for you thank you Jesus
Let's pray. Father God, uh, we know that there are so many today that are living in darkness and chaos and confusion. And you have the answers to every one of their needs, God. You are Elohim who creates everything out of nothing. You are Jehovah who steps into our present situation and draws close to us. God, help us recognize you in everything we say and everything we do. Let the meditation of our heart and the words of our mouth be acceptable in your sight. Let us search ourselves to see if there be any wicked ways in us and eliminate them so that we will walk according to your plan for our lives. God, we bless those today that could not be here, that would like to be here. Maybe they're living still uh, with a fear of this virus. We pray, God, that they receive peace and that they also receive the word right where they are. We pray for those that genuinely are sick and affected by this. God, we know that there's been a baby born uh, to Robbie and Sarah. We bless them and bless their baby. God, we, we bless those that are uh, uh, feeling uh, displaced because they've lost their job through this situation. And people are just uh, genuinely needing Jehovah you to step into their life and cast out fear and to cast down doubt and help them walk closer to you than they've ever walked before. We love you today. We call upon your strength and your might to become everything we need you to be in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody who has a family member that needs saved, everyone who has a, a health issue that needs healed, everyone that has a situation that only God can fix, I want you to say loudly and proudly, I want you to say God can do it. Can you do that? One, two, three, God can do it. God bless you this morning.